0: Women in Leadership brought to you by Herring Code, the management consultancy for what happens next. For more information, you can visit heroncode.com. In this podcast, we will be talking to female leaders of today to inspire the leaders of tomorrow. Today in the Heron Co studio, we are joined by Raja Al-Mazrui. She is the Executive Vice President of Fintech Hive in DIFC, where she oversees the region's first fintech accelerator, which brings together financial institutions, government entities, technology partners and entrepreneurs to develop technologies that benefit the financial industry.
1: I like to think of myself as a very positive person, so every time a challenge comes my way or someone comes and says, this is a challenge, I say, let's look at it from a different perspective. Even if I'm having the most difficult day of my life and I walk into the office thinking about so many challenges that are going into my mind, a lady will come to me and say, Oh, Raja, it's really a pleasure to meet you. You inspire me. And then that gives me a boost towards, you know, overcoming everything else. The lady who launched Canva, they all started from home. There was a need in the market and they thought, well, let me try it. I'm sure when she designed Canva, she didn't think that it's going to be a global platform that is used by all designers. So the ambition is really your driver, but really your anchor is the self-realization.
0: Women in Leadership brought to you by Heron Code. Raja,
1: welcome to the Heron Code podcast. Thank you for having me today. It's my pleasure to be with you today and also to contribute to the amazing stories that we've been listening to through the podcast.
0: Absolutely. And contribute you shall. And I know that because I have read so much about you and your story and what you've achieved so far. But I think it's really important to know where you're at right now is to understand where you came from and how it all started. So let's take you back to the beginning. I read somewhere that you began your journey in coding. How did that even start?
1: So after high school, I had the option to go to the higher colleges of technology in Abu Dhabi a long time ago. And at that time, the program of information systems was first introduced into the college and nobody wanted to do that program because we didn't know. We were not very familiar with technology and those terms as we are today. But I was very curious and I went into that program, started playing with code and was really excited to get my... One line of code to work after like five, six hours. Today you drag and drop and you get the website going. But it was a really interesting and exciting time for me because... I was part of a very small group of women who were doing that program and trying to also figure out why are we doing this instead of doing, you know, the other programs in business and communication, which sounded more fun. But it really gave us an edge today compared to doing other programs, because with technology, you get to understand more of the back scene and operations of any system and structure that there is
0: and let's talk about that curiosity that you spoke about because I feel like a lot of people would be fearful to even try something new so that was definitely a personality trait of yours was it It still is. (laughs) (laughs) I thought so, because especially when you're young, I mean, I feel like everyone, like you said, goes towards like the business, goes towards the communication, you know, kind of what is the norm, I guess. So coding back then, what was your curiosity around it?
1: My curiosity was, first of all, why no one else is doing it. Number two is, where is it going to take me? What type of career opportunities will I get with that? And the same time, my friends and community at that time was like, this is not for you. You won't be able to get Get a nice job because this is mainly a programmer, back office kind of an operation. What type of companies do you think you'll be going to? But I really wanted to explore further, and the more I coded, I really got excited. And from there, I really stopped the limitation of what is going to be next, as much as enjoy what I'm doing and learning right now. And the interesting part is, I actually got a work placement within the college, within the IT department there, and I was one of the first Emirati hires of the college. And then I. I continued my journey as leading the software development team within the college. I was learning, I was developing, and I was programming at the same time. So it's very exciting, and I'm really proud to be able to take all of that to where I am today, at the front of the financial services sector that is being transformed to all other sectors by technology, and being able to understand How that technology is creating all these transformation opportunities is a result of that curiosity many years ago.
0: And that's the thing. I mean, your journey has been so interesting because we managed to speak before we hit record on this podcast and you uh, studying at Harvard Business School in Boston, you feel it really contributed thoroughly to your career. Is that right?
1: It actually created a major shift in my life, if I may say, because before going to Harvard, I actually studied within the UAE in the higher colleges of technology, I did my master's with the UAE University and in my master's program, I was doing an MBA, so it 's really focused on business and management, and then I was in IT roles across, and I was very comfortable with IT because it 's a back office kind of role, and I preferred to sit back and you know code and program and just submit solutions and designs but then when I did the executive education program at Harvard, I was forced to look at it from a completely different perspective. I was forced to communicate and negotiate and discuss with amazing people from all over the world that were mostly coming from the leadership part of the businesses. So after that program at Harvard, they came back and I decided I'm not going to do IT anymore. I want to be in business development. I want to be in marketing. I want to be in strategy. I want to be the face of the business. But that didn't not last long because two years later, technology disrupts everything and FinTech evolved as a new sector within the financial services industry. And I thought that was a match made in heaven for me because I can leverage on my tech experience and knowledge combine it with understanding the financial services sector and be the enabler for financial institutions to tap into technology and innovation opportunities through co-creation with startups that are developing innovative solutions in fintech.
0: Mm. And what's interesting about that is what you're talking about is a very diverse career path. I mean, in the sense that back in the day, I feel like if you decided to go into business management, that is, you're kind of just like focused on that. Whereas, You kind of dipped and dabbed into a few different things to actually carve your own path. And I think that we live in a world nowadays where you can do a bit of everything to achieve what you want to achieve. Is that something that you would encourage young entrepreneurs or young children or adults in in tech who want to be doing what you're doing?
1: Absolutely. Today, I think if I look at different leaders across the world, you will see that most of these successful CEOs, some have sort of interaction with technology. Combining technology, marketing and strategy really gives you a proper view of how to lead those organizations into growth. I encourage my kids and I mentor my nieces and I talk to them all about understanding technology because it's core. We used to be mentored about understanding the numbers and the math and the language, but now technology is becoming the language. All the solutions are developed, all the designs, all the creative. It's a digital world. Unless you understand technology, you won't be able to do it. And you know whether we like it or not, it's integrated in our lifestyle. The pandemic accelerated the adoption of technology. All the kids know how to use their online channels and all the mothers as well, because they needed to make sure that the kids are online and studying and submitting. So it really disrupted us in a massive way, but really geared the direction towards technology.
0: And let's talk about women in tech, because I I mean, now more so than ever, we have more women involved and in high positions in, in tech and fintech in particular. But that wasn't always the case. So I can imagine along your journey, did you feel like you had to work harder to get to where your male counterpart wanted to be?
1: It really depends on how you look at it. I personally didn't feel that because I was very comfortable developing technology. But once I started looking at the opportunities within business, I thought that I wasn't ready because I did not integrate both tech with the business. And that's why I started to diversify. I'm a passionate learner, started to teach myself different things. I read and I learn and I do different courses. Every once in a while, I I would do this program because I can get a condensed summary of what this evolution is about. But when you look at the tech in particular, it's important. And women in tech, are a rare commodity. And the whole sector and all businesses are looking for women in tech because these domains are really dominated by men, not for any reason. It's just because they think that they don't fit. And that was the reason why we launched a program at the DIFC Fintech Hive called Accelerate Her. And in Accelerate Her, what we did is we started looking at women early in their career in either finance or in technology. And we put them in a bootcamp program that introduced them to fintech, to innovation, to merging the two capabilities together to be able to deliver a unique set of expertise. And we've accelerated more than 80 women through this program. It's a global program. We have participants from all over the world. And we are so excited about the women that take those bold decisions of either moving from finance to tech or from tech to finance, and the few of them that launch their own fintech startups as a result of this program. Mm.
0: And so in your opinion, do you think that we need more programs like this to facilitate more women in tech? Or do you think that we need the companies that are already existing to be a lot more open to hiring women in the high positions? Yeah.
1: I think the companies are looking for these women. I think we need to continue to talk about this topic because we need to create the awareness around these opportunities. Unless they listen to me or see someone like me, they wouldn't think that it's possible for someone to go from tech to finance to leadership along that path. But if someone like me is there and and start talking, and then you're interviewing all of these amazing women who is bypassed all of these challenges to create new realities I think we will be able to inspire more women to follow their dreams and you know tap into their confidence and explore new
0: opportunities and if it doesn't work who cares we try something else. Mm, And that's such an important mindset I think is that You don't welcome failure. I mean, no one wants to fail, but you know that failure is part of it, right? I mean, I'm sure along your journey, you've had challenges and you've had downs. How have you really picked yourself back up from them?
1: You know, managing your expectation, your own expectation is very important. So, for example, I have ventured into developing my own tech startup. And while I was doing the design and the technology and the MVP, I've spent so much time and money on making it work. Till I got to a certain point of time where I realized I can continue to fool myself, but this will get more challenging day by day. Or I can just stop it here learn from the time I've invested and the money that I've invested into this to developing something that has more either mass market or less restrictions in terms of deploying the solution. So when you look at it that I am investing in my learning, even if I spend time on this project and it doesn't work, it's okay, I've learned. And now this mistake will never happen again and will teach me a new way of looking at those opportunities.
0: And that point where you said that you realized, okay, maybe what I'm doing right now isn't the right way to do it. Maybe I need to take another direction. I think sometimes for a lot of people, no matter what industry you're in, there is that self-awareness that, that a lot of people need to have, right? But then there's also that balance of inspiring and, and wanting to achieve and not to give up. Where is that balance? You know, the, the self-awareness, the realism, but then also the ambition to achieve. So the
1: ambition is really your driver. But really, your anchor is the self-realization. And if you spend time reflecting on how you're doing compared to where you're going, I think it will give you that balance. But it's really, as you said, very important balance to keep in mind and not get carried away after our dreams and ambitions, because there's a lot to learn and we want to be able to figure it all on our own, especially that we are innovating and creating new solutions and we're going places that no one else has been Two before
0: mm. and you said earlier you know it's so important for us all to have these conversations for women to be out there, uh, for other women to see. Do you ever consider yourself a role model too many?
1: I actually do. And, you know, I'm humbled and honored that I keep on receiving this feedback from a lot of women because they tell me and they share with me and say, Raja, you're inspiring. We're learning from you. Even if I'm having the most difficult day of my life and I walk into the office thinking about so many challenges that are going into my mind, a lady will come to me and say, oh, Raja, it's really a pleasure to meet you. You inspire me. And then that gives me a boost towards, you know, overcoming everything else because these women look at me and, you know, waiting for me to do something else. So they give me that energy to continue with these.
0: Yeah, that's beautiful. I completely agree with you. And I resonate with that so much that, you know, even if you are in the worst mood ever, where do you find that strength then? Because I feel like there is a bubble and this shiny lights on success stories, and you see the finished product, but you don't see what goes on day to day. And that it is really really tough what everyone's doing just trying to trying to succeed trying to get through every day but what is your pick me up what keeps you going
1: you know creating impact and i've thought about this so many times because I try to find my purpose. And, you know, it's really hard to really find your purpose and reflect on that. And I realized what's in it in this role that gives me joy. And looking at the startups around me, the minute they do a raise, for example, they add two, three people to their team the day they win a deal. So for me, this is an impact that's created by My participation in this role within this organization that has vision to enable those entrepreneurs and startups to make it. Being able to help someone put food on that table means a lot. Whether the company headquartered here and you know the development team is somewhere else, it doesn't matter. You're contributing towards an economy, you're very ambitious, but when you have this personal touch with those people, you'll be able to connect and reflect on the impact that you're creating directly or indirectly.
0: And these connections and these networks are so important, no matter what you do, right? I I mean, a lot of people are introverts, and they find it really difficult to create these connections, even if they want to. Were you quite an extrovert? What's your personality type? I've been introvert for the most part of my life (laughs) until
1: I realized one day that no, I wasn't really an introvert. I just <laughs> thought that I was because I didn't tap into my confidence. I was always, you know, like a prisoner of my own thoughts and my own perceptions. I never asked for help, never asked for direction. And this is why I think mentorship is really important because I've been through this myself and I realized all of these facts on my own that I actually could go and ask and I and I could express my opinion and I could share a recommendation without being judged. But they were all in my mind, and I never spoke them out. And this is why I think mentorship, again, is very important, because when we start talking about our uh, vulnerabilities and the situations that we've been through, that made us realize this, those young girls will learn from us and will fast track their career. They don't have to go through the same challenges that I've been through, because I've told them, I've been there and I've done that, and I realized this. So they will take the learning out of the situation and move on faster.
0: And it's so amazing that you're a mentor to so many now that just look up to you and feel guided by you. And it's a shame that you lacked that in your own journey. Do you feel like, did you ever attempt to get a mentor? Did you ever reach out to people? Was it that kind of thing or just people weren't available, I guess, directly as they are now?
1: I think that culture was not there at that time. And especially that I was in a very particular field of work between tech and finance, they were not a lot of women in in those domains and even when they were there you know i would look at them so impressed i wouldn't have the guts to go and ask mm-hmm. but today again technology brings us all closer and you can reach out to any coach or uh, self development or uh, workshop online you can book these sessions talk to them without you know being worried whether you know this person or not and this is why we keep on pushing for all of these programs because once you get that experience and you feel it's okay you will be able to you know reach out to whomever you want.
0: Mm, I always got told the answer is already no before you've even asked so you might as well ask. Absolutely. The journey and the career that you've had so far is Incredibly busy. I imagine, you know, even for us to have you here, we're very thankful. So, thank you for making time for us. But, work life balance, it's such a buzzword. It's such a key term that everyone speaks about nowadays, especially since the pandemic. People have taken a real look at themselves and, you know, thought maybe I'm working too much. Maybe I need to focus more on family, on friends, on my life, on my health, whatever it may be. Do you personally struggle with that or is that something that you're quite methodical about and you know what you're doing?
1: I think we're all struggling with that because the lines between work and life has blurred with technology. You receive emails anytime during the day, you work across different time zones, you work with different clients and partners all over the world. It's really just important how you manage yourself because you want to be able to stop the inflow of Emails and calls, but you will be able to control your own time. And it's really important to detox, to have a period where you're not checking your email, where uh, you take time for a short trip or time to reflect on your work. I think it's really important because otherwise you will be um, drained. And uh, you know, these big terms now, especially with the hybrid work uh, from home and work from the office and work from Anywhere, the great resignation and the quitting, people started to realize they're spending so much time at work, they're not spending enough time with their families. And and so many people started to realize also that being burnt out with these jobs are losing sight of what's next or where next. So it's really important to keep that pulse close, to use technology in our advantage to enable us to get things done effectively and efficiently. I love the Zoom calls when I'm driving my car. (laughs) But, you know, I think it's a blessing because otherwise I would have had to block one hour and a half for every single meeting. Use it to your advantage and disconnect. Make sure that you disconnect to be able to recharge and come back.
0: So what is it that you do to unwind and to, you know, just kind of have you time?
1: So I do meditate. Mm-hmm. I uh, listen to a lot of ebooks. I can't read anymore. <laughs> it's just too much uh, screen time. Yeah. So I enjoy it. And then I take uh, small trips every once in a while. Dubai is such a hub. You can you know, travel to most of the worlds within three to four hours. So these short breaks really recharge me. And, and I meet startups everywhere. So I love that part of the trip as well.
0: Yeah, so, so you're always on no matter what. But you're still relaxing, which is good to know. You know, you must manage so many people. And I personally think managing people is the hardest job out of it all. You know, forget everything else. It's the one-to-one, it's the man-to-man, you know, kind of connection and relationship that you have with your team. Is that something that you have that's been at the forefront of your mind, you know, when, when creating Vintech Hive and, and things like that? How how vital is it to have the right team around you? It's really
1: important to have the right team around you. And I'm proud to tell you that I have uh, all female team members. But when we do interviews and we select those members to join, they all know that we would be doing everything at any time. So, yes, you probably come as a marketing manager. But if we're having a program and we have guests and we need to move furniture around, we all do that. We don't have this kind of hierarchy. We all work within an ecosystem. And the ecosystem is a word that we started using since 2018, as soon as the FinTech Hive was launched, because we realized that the success of the FinTech Hive depends on the ecosystem partners that all contribute and add value. So I don't only manage my team, but I manage a complex ecosystem of partners, financial institutions, law firm, technology companies, lifestyle companies, startups, uh, delegations that come from all over the world. They just want to know, they want to understand and they want. So you will have to always be able to connect and communicate at that level. So it's really important. Face to face is also very important. But if you can't do it all the time, then, you know, thanks to Zoom, we have all the virtual options.
0: Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned that because I actually think there's been a shift in employer-employee relationships. I think that employers are now adjusting to the employees' needs, especially since the pandemic. Is that something that you've seen within your teams and the people that you've been working with?
1: Yes. So with the remote working policy, we're able to really get more out of staff because they want to get things Done and at the same time manage their own uh, life. And also, our accelerator program was in person for three months. So, we shifted the whole thing virtual and we were managed to finish the program in a month compared to three months. So, we decided to do two sprints instead of one a year. So, it really enabled us to do all of that.
0: Mm. I read somewhere, and I'm going to quote you now if that's okay. Uh, I read an article where you said, I look at the opportunity rather than the challenge. Can you tell us what that means?
1: I'm a very positive person. I like to think of myself as a very positive person. So every time a challenge comes my way or someone comes and says, this is a challenge. I say, okay, let's look at it from a different perspective. Yes, it's a challenge, but there is definitely a solution or a different way to solve this challenge. So I do that in all aspects of my life, not only with work.
0: Mm-hmm. Amazing! I like that. I think that's a that's the right way to to go about things. So advice for uh, you know aspiring entrepreneurs in this current climate. You know, I feel I have so many people in my network, no matter where they are, what they do, that they have all the qualifications in the world to get a job nowadays but they just find it so hard to get it Uh, and I'm sure we have so many listeners that are in maybe the same position. Do you have any advice uh, for them moving forward? I mean we spoke about networking earlier, just ask the question, get out there, any other advice that you may have?
1: My advice would be really to look at the opportunities from the digital world that we're living in. Today you can definitely get a job anywhere in the world if you get onto those websites that promote you know freelancing, the fivers and uh, the upwork and All of these websites, they enable you to tap into these opportunities. And once you start providing consistent work, you'll be able to get more ratings That is supported by the users that use your work and you'll be able to tap into it. Technology enables us today to work anywhere. Just being active on all of these digital channels will enable those individuals to get those jobs. And if they like something and they they don't like doing it as freelancers or can't get a job, start your own business. It's really easy. You can get a commercial license, you can get a technology platform ready-made, just customized for your idea, Promote it, be your brand ambassador, speak and talk about your brand and showcase your brand, and you'll be able to capture that.
0: So, do you think it's easier nowadays to launch and maintain a successful business than it was back in the day before we even had the internet?
1: Absolutely. And I think there are plenty of success stories. If you look at um, the lady who launched Canva or all of these platforms today, they all started from home. They started from home. There was a need in the market, and they thought, well, let me try it. I'm sure. When she designed Canva, she didn't think that it's going to be a global platform that is used by all designers around the world. But it really enabled her to tap into that market because to do that, you just need to understand how to access the technology where to register the company and how to promote your business. And it's all available online.
0: Mm -hmm. And what it sounds to me is you are so sure of yourself. And I love the confidence that you have. I'm so aware a lot of people may not. But I think that also comes down to the people around you, the close people. You know, you said uh, before when you went into coding that your friends were like, what are you doing? Is that something that you've really been conscious of, keeping the right people around you in order to, you know, really get to where you want to get to? So
1: my friends still ask me, are you sure you want to do this? Even <laughs> with the fintech, when I decided to do fintech in 2017, my friends were like, what is fintech? What are you doing? You're jeopardizing your career. I was like, let's experiment and let's explore. And if it doesn't work, it's fine. We restart somewhere else. And I think it's that entrepreneurial spirit that uh, you know drives me, although I don't call myself an entrepreneur because mm-hmm. I haven't launched successful business or a unicorn yet but that's, that's for me that's entrepreneurship but I think you know I don't have that fear that stops me from trying new things and I've tried and I've failed and I tried and I succeeded so it's really that being able to experiment and breaking free from you know the mindset and the fears and the circumstances around you will enable you to tap into new adventures and new opportunities.
0: Mm-hmm. And let's talk about those opportunities in particular fintech now in the MENA region how is it looking in terms of you know uh, development what is exciting that's coming up and where where do you really see it going in the next few years so fintech as a journey
1: started back in 2017 and we have been monitoring the trends in the sector for quite some time it started with the blockchain and everything was trying to solve normal problems using the blockchain technology. So now we have the KYC on the blockchain, we have all the ID and regulatory technology solutions on the blockchain. The following year, we started to see a trend towards wealth management, robo-advisors, you know, saving solutions, individual and accessible, because the main aim of FinTech is really for financial inclusion. Everybody should have the opportunity to use those services, regardless of who they are, where they are are, how much they make, and where are they located in the world. Then with the pandemic, it really pushed the contactless and cashless payments. And all of the digital banking solutions started to evolve because, you know, the technology has accelerated it. Everyone is stuck somewhere in the world, and they need to access those uh, services. Moving forward, obviously, the metaverse, the NFTs, the Web3 is really shaping the future of uh, technology. We are experimenting right now with what solutions from the metaverse will work for fintech. I personally think the focus will be on wallets and cryptocurrencies, but these are still volatile currencies. How are they going to govern is going to dictate how successful they're going to be in the future.
0: And in particular, I mean, for anyone listening right now who may not even be in the MENA region, and who's excited to just know more about the space, Why be here? Why be in Dubai? Why be in the UAE uh, to really explore this space?
1: I think you will be able to answer this question better than me. But (laughs) I would say, you know, the UAE has really created a co-living space for anyone from anywhere in the world to come and set up a business here and start their career or start their life, start their businesses. There's different types of visa uh, permits that enable any type of talent to come here. Access to funding is available. Access to regulation is available regardless of the sector. And also we have an international court system that is available for any litigation that is based on international standards. On top of it, the lifestyle and also you just feel you belong here in Dubai in general. It is a very friendly cosmopolitan city Mm -hmm. that um, you would find it easy to live and connect with people around here. We see a lot of them come never leave, (laughs) they're part of the city and and we as locals are so proud and happy to be able to have those people consider dubai as their home Mm. Uh, most of my friends whether they're locals or not when wherever they travel and i think you and the others are the same they say where are you coming from they say we're from dubai Mm -hmm. so it's it's really home for a lot of people
0: and i want to talk and end end the episode uh you know about your journey and where you really see yourself going now what is the next five years looking like for you That's a million-dollar question. (laughs) uh,
1: You know, I, I am a passionate learner. I continue to learn, and now I'm very passionate about learning the new technologies, the Web3, the metaverse, building exponential organizations to see what are the opportunities for me to do, as I would say, next. We've built the first and largest FinTech accelerator in the region. We built the most complex ecosystem for startups to launch and scale from the region. Now, what's next is going to be really more complex. I would say I'm not going to say challenging, (laughs) but it has to create a bigger impact. And for me, I think focusing on uh, technology and understanding how to use that to enable this type of growth is going to be core of my vision.
0: Well, you know, I have absolutely no doubt that you are going to achieve your vision in probably less time than you even think. Um, It has been an absolute pleasure talking to you and and getting to know your journey a lot more. I'm sure the listeners have benefited so, so much. So Raja, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me. Women in Leadership brought to you by Heron Code.